How much did you spend? Right now? It was uh, like nine forty. Oh, it was nine something? Yeah. To the two beers and then Oh, so it was definitely less than a dollar. Yeah. I thought she said nineteen. Oh. And I never thought about it and she didn't. But oh my I God. didn't even think about it until we sat down right now and I was like, I think you just spent like ten dollars on a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Sign on a port says three's a crown. Sign on a port says the three's a all right and because three is a crowd i'm here today as always out of the bunker this time in beautiful raining the sun is gone unknown city we're here unknown city what are you talking about well it's not 80 degrees anymore i know but the sun is actually out and it was raining at the same time it's not out from my angle though you see if you look out this window it's clouds and then you got the sun sitting on the wrong side of the fire escape Uh that's That's what they say sitting (laughs) on the wrong side all right so we're here uh to talk about uh this is episode 12 this is sun in the window Uh, i'm daniel i'm here with kelly hello we are talking about a song that goes by many titles, but we are going to call it John Birch Paranoid Blues. Also, John Birch Society Blues or John Birch Blues. Or Talking John Birch Paranoid Blues. Yeah, I guess uh, they're at the talking. I guess that's actually the thing. Put talking in front of everything I said. I was feeling sad and kind of blue. I didn't know what I was going to do. The communists was coming around. They was in the air. They was on the ground. They was all over So run down most hurriedly and join the John Birch Society. Got me a secret membership card, went back home to the yard. All right, so we spent a week with this. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things, not only the song and sort of Bob Dylan context, but also the context of what the John Birch Society are and all kinds of stuff. But just uh, right away, I know we both really love the song. How was your week with uh, John Birch Society Blues? Talking John Birch Society Blues. Talking. I listen to the song a lot. Um, I think you, having it in a playlist is really the key. I'm going to go out of my way to make sure if you don't make a playlist that I make one to listen to it. I think we, we were typically waiting until the end of the week mm-hmm. and sort of adding it as I, we were thinking. And I think this week I was purposefully mindful. Basically, right after we finished the last episode, I just listened to the songs for the first time. I usually take about a day or two, but I kind of got right on it and started the playlist and sort of, you know, made it kind of something you can listen to that's not just like the four songs but maybe stuff that reminded me of it so i particularly like this playlist there's a lot of great music on it yeah there's the four versions of the song that are on that playlist i noticed that the lyrics are same the same ish in uh two of the four and then the other two of the four are the same as well so there's like particularly one verse about um hitler that's not in right. two of them but is in the other two and i think the book burning one is also like the ones that the hitler ones in the book burning's in but not in the others and i don't know why yeah, and we'll get to that too. So that those are, and and that's kind of, I guess, the start of the problems. Because I guess it was that Hitler verse, um, and you've got the verses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you want to just go ahead, let's start there. Uh, I'll delve into the context of the song itself. So start with that verse um, in the song that, that relates right to Hitler. Well, we all agree with Hitler's views, although he killed six million Jews. It don't matter too much if he was a fascist. At least you can't say he was a communist. That's to say, like, if you got a cold, take a shot of malaria. Okay, that... 
drives it home a little bit more. Um, but I, but the other versions do ramp up the humor, which I kind of like. So it's kind of like one or the other. It's like we're going super serious uh, or we're kind of being a little bit more funny about how he's going and looking around, you know, going in the refrigerator and stuff like that. So that is a difference between the two. I think uh, Bob Dylan has a sense of humor that I wouldn't have thought that he did unless we'd watched No Direction Home. Like that was, yeah. I think you were very wise to be like, you should watch this movie. Before and we do speaking of that, before we even do anything else, that will actually be premiering this week. So we've been talking about having watched this movie. It's been like over a month. So that will actually be coming out. So if you're hearing us right now talking about it, you can go and listen to that for the first time uh, if you're listening live. But anyways. That gave me so much more context for him as a person because I did think he was this really like straightforward, 100% of the time, earnest songwriter that's always serious and never like, art is my life, I am a poet and nothing else kind of thing. This song is so funny. <laughs> like It is. And I wouldn't have thought that he was a humorous person had I not watched that movie, so that was good. And this makes a lot more sense now, and I think it's another way to have more fun with Bob Dylan, more personality. All right, so to bring it back to the song itself, since we're kind of talking about it, so there's a couple of important mile markers that sort of that this song in particular plays in Bob Dylan's life. The first one is that he it was the first one to appear in kind of like an old school zine. You know, we think of zines today as like a punk rock thing. Well, there were zines back then, uh, a magazine called Broadside um, that was put together just like you would a zine, you know, when we were kids where you sort of, it looks like it's all chopped up. Every page is kind of different. You know, it's like a lyric sheet to random piano chords on a half a page. And then the rest is like kind of stapled or uh, taped together um, newspaper clippings and stuff like that. So it's kind of a really fun thing uh, to look at. And you could actually, um, if you go um, to singout.org, I believe, or just type in um, Broadside magazine, um, you can still view those. You can go back and look. And on the very first issue, they chose this song by Bob Dylan. Out of all the songs in New York, out of all the songs you know in the community, they put that on like the fourth page, the lyrics of it. So that was a huge moment for Bob Dylan, uh, just getting out there. Uh, and then famously, he was going to play the song on the Ed Sullivan Show. Ed Sullivan Show had just broken Elvis. It was going to break the Beatles a year, you know, two years later or so. And Bob Dylan was going to play. And he was... Freewheeling Bob Dylan had not come out yet, so he was basically playing on the back of his uh, self-titled record that did not do well. And he was going to play, I think, just a regular song, but then he decided to do this song. And everybody at the show was stoked about it, including Ed Sullivan. He was down for doing it. But it was the lawyers who were like, we're going to get sued for libel because when you say Hitler and the Jews, you're equating every John Birch Society member with Hitler and the Jews. And I think, again, Bob Dylan would say, and your point. Right. What? Like, that's the song right here. Um, but then they, they balked. And apparently, um, and this is something that I kind of knew but kind of forgot, I didn't realize that CBS with the Ed Sullivan Show owns Columbia, so it's a big, uh... the same corporate powerhouse. Now it's Viacom, you know, all that kind of stuff. But back then they were like, you can't release freewheeling Bob Dylan that's about to come out and apparently about 300 of them actually were released with these tracks on it um, I think mostly on the west coast so you hear stories about people still finding them with the talking John Birch blues you know on the back of the record and stuff that are gone but apparently he sort of rethought the album and so I found it interesting he took off a couple songs not only just um, John Birch but he took off uh, Let Me Die in My Footsteps which is also on um, the bootleg series volume 1 through 3 which is fantastic we actually heard a little bit of Ramblin' Gamblin' Willie on Days of 49. That was one of the, when we were talking about the sort of, why are there so many roving gamblers? The song that played underneath it was Ramblin' Gamblin' Willie, which could have been on this as well. 
and uh, Rocks and Gravel, and he replaced them with Bob Dylan's Dream, Talking World War Three Blues, which is kind of the same exact song as this, just kind of a different, it's another talking song, obviously. Uh, Girl from the North Country, which is beautiful, and Masters of War. So I think overall, you can't even conceptualize like what freewheeling Bob Dylan would have been if it weren't for this song getting pulled from freewheeling, because without those four songs, it doesn't feel like the same album. It's almost, you could almost see a world where Bob Dylan doesn't kind of have the arc, although Blowing in the Wind is such a, you know, cornerstone to his life. You know, it's hard to imagine, even with that song, that he wouldn't have, you know, kept doing the stuff he was doing. I know that song. You do know that song. And so John Hammond at the time, um, who was the guy who, quote unquote, you know, found Bob Dylan, he said, quote, the CBS lawyers, not Columbia Records, decided that the reference to Hitler involved every single member of the John Birch Society. Therefore, it was libelous or some crap like that. I get away with much worse material with Seeger than ever on Dylan album. So, that's fun. Hmm. Isn't John Hammond the guy that uh, opened Jurassic Park? <laughs> I just... I that you're trying so earnestly to, like, do something. That just, I stopped listening after John Hammond and started thinking about Jurassic Park. All right, so let's talk about uh, the song. So the song itself, I think, will open up just our historical context. And you're the historian of this podcast. So we're going to be... God. Well, I mean, your days of 49, I mean, it's it's infamous now. I mean, kids are going... They're taking that to their AP. They're basically your sing-song account of, of, of the gold rush of 1849. Um, they're taking that uh, right to the AP exams. So you could be doing a great service for um, for our youth out there in the world. I knew, I knew nothing about the John Bird Society. I'd never heard that before. So, although I knew the kind of the events around it a little bit, like I knew this is all part of the Red Scare situation. Um, we talked about Pete Seeger and yeah. how he was questioned. Well, you know that com- you know a communist if they have guitars and have a beard, right? So we know where and to look. They sing folk music. Yes, yeah, folk music is communist as hell. They're living in an era marked by the growth of socialism. It's basic, godless philosophy. Lying. Dirty. It's goal of world conquest. Shrewd. Godless. It's insidious tactics. Murderous. Determined. And it's cunning strategy. It's an international criminal conspiracy. I don't think I'll ever get over that. And I know, I, I'm, crazy. I'm sad that I didn't know that sooner. That, that <laughs> folk music was like, that's the rebellious. Yeah fucking counterculture music is folk music and now it's like fucking mumford and sons and shit and it's just indie guys yeah. that are sad you know yeah. and but it was like we were the activists that's so I crazy know. hey I, I mean everything comes back around one day one day keep your suspenders on one day it'll happen <laughs> keep refusing to use electricity there one day go. one day <laughs> um i don't really have any notes about the lyrics themselves because it was so like it's it's really straightforward. What it is? It's a satirical song about yeah. the John Birch Society. John so, Birch Society and Reds. I mean, yeah, you can almost just imagine it. You know, Reds can definitely just be in in today's world. Um, it's the other. You know, it's immigrants. It's people of color. It would be Muslims. Muslims. I mean, gay Islam as as a religion. You know, Islamophobia um, would be something here. He'd be looking for you know links back to the Middle East when he opens up his refrigerator. It would be you know as stupid and super american i'm sorry it's these people like this this character is real this is okay. very real oh, and it yeah. sucks um i did have a question about the book burning thing 
he's like, I investigated all the books in the library. 90% of them got to be burned away. Yeah. Um, did they actually do that? Do they have? I mean, they've had book burnings throughout history, but was that a part of the movement? I mean, it's definitely, it's a absolute, I mean, it's a Nazi tactic. Okay. You know, suppressing they, knowledge. Yeah, right? yeah. They burned, you know, everything. I was just wondering if there was an incident. We've, oh, there probably was that, like, I'm sure all over the country at some point, some asshole has burned a bunch of books. Yeah, I. Book burnings are always going to be a really weird thing. I think that people do do it to make a point, but it's usually about a specific book. I think that, you know, you can think about things, books that have come out that are bad, and they're like, we're going to burn it. I mean, I know more like we're going to crush Taylor Swift albums or like... Oh, yeah, that kind of you know, stuff. Kind like of when stuff Millie Vanilli, they found out they were yeah. like, a lie. They're like, we're just burning <laughs> the street. <laughs> that kind of so it's like a very specific burn for a specific... It's not a general like... You know, we're destroying knowledge. The fascist state of, has taken yeah, over. Your libraries Fahrenheit, are now pyres. Yeah, it's not a Fahrenheit 451 scenario where, you know, you're walking in to burn people's houses as a means of cleaning them. The only cleansing is to burn. I mean, it's not a, there's no Nazi, you know. But but I think equating it to that is essentially, I mean, that's the thing that's so odious about the John Birch Society is that everything is anti-communist, or everything is communist. Right. So no matter what you do, no matter what your take is, if it's anything different, slightly you're a communist. And that's abhorrent. Yeah. Absolutely abhorrent. And I think Bob Dylan is just making a point that, like, speech is free. Speech should be free. And while you can say that kind of shit, I can say that. But there has to be, like, a way to dialogue with one another. But when you're searching a toilet bowl for fucking communists, how the fuck am I supposed to react to that? How do I even interact? And I think it's more on us to try to figure out how to talk to the guy with his head in a fucking toilet. I mean, that's the hard <laughs> thing that I think even, you know, 50 years later, we're obviously still struggling with the guy with his head buried in a toilet. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I learned a little bit about the John Purge Society. I watched a video, like a propaganda video, basically, of Robert Welch Jr., who's one of the co-founders, along with Daddy Coke. I don't remember his first name. It's probably Fred. Ooh, it is Fred. Yes. Fred Coke. Sure, uh, it's not Bill Coke? <laughs> 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 oh man don't worry about it i was dreaming about bills so oil baron russian colluding <gasps> i didn't even think about that i know a lot about the Koch brothers and like their family not a lot a lot for me uh because i did a report on them in school and their dad got rich through oil that he was dealing with the fucking russians the whole time so how funny is it oh it's almost like our president, anyway. Well, and the commies are obviously Russian. That's the yeah, USSR. That's so what I'm saying. Like, so the guy changes. who co-founded the fucking John Birch Society is anti, is is fucking occluding with Russia. Yep. Head spinning. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely fits on brand. Yep. Being hypocrites and liars. There you go. So the little it was like a five minute propaganda video from the that sounds fun. I late fifties. We'll link that so yeah. you can find that. Um, so they were established in 1958. One of their things, yeah. they like, they talk about it in those really scary terms where, like coldy terms, where they're really vague about stuff because they don't want you to know for sure what their values. They're just like, they say things like buzzwordy things like, we just want a moral truth and we want progress and we want a cleaner, brighter future. And uh, they, one of the things they said, which I was like, uh, culty was like, we want something that our generation's uh, forward can follow without hesitation. I was like, no, you should never do that. <laughs> Those phrases don't have cachet anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, we're 20 years from World War II. You, no. Gotta wait 100 before you can start that shit again. Like, calm the fuck down. Yeah, right? Like, we just we did this time. yesterday. We need some fucking time. <laughs> well, and I think that's the equation, too, he's making with, like, 
we're fucking Nazis, but thank God we're not commies. That's the what? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that Bob Dylan has a line in the yeah, song. That's basically that. That yeah. is that. That's yeah. the one that got him in trouble. <laughs> uh, less government, more responsibility, a better world. So they're blah, basically blah, blah. libertarians, but like fucking crazy far right libertarians. Yeah. Well, I think you could make the case in America, like the word libertarian, I think travels very differently, but in America. It's a right context. It's you're if oh, you're a libertarian. Sure, yeah. You're not of the left mind, except for possibly on stances for like war intervention. Like that's the only spot with the John Birch Society that I even moderately understand. Where, yeah, out of Vietnam, cool. Right. <laughs> you're not on my side, really. I mean, coalitions are one thing for issues, but they, they one of the things was that we cannot move forward as a country until communism is routed, as in like irradiated from the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Stuff. cannot have that. Stuff. Oh. And they said that communists seek immoral world, an, an immoral world. Like, that that's their goal. <laughs> they just wanna... <laughs> it's like, oh, today's, uh, it's a little too moral. Let's go make it immoral. And I learned a bit about the Red Scare. Okay, I watched let's... a five-minute flash video about it. <laughs> um, in 1938, we formed, or the House of Representatives formed, the House of Un-American Activities Committee. Quack! Um, right? Because <laughs> you would say that. Uh, McCarthy, in 1950... Uh, makes a accusations list, which is what McCarthyism is. So basically, right, you accuse people of shit with no basis, and ta-da! I said you're a commie, therefore you're a commie. Not unlike witch hunts. Not unlike them and at all. prove that you're not. You yeah. are until... If you, are you now or have you ever been? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Are you or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Are you a member of the Communist Party? Are you a member of the Communist Party? Yeah. I mean, I don't love that, but I love yeah. that line. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a great line, but it's kind of dark. It's just like, it's wow, super dark. that's that's really summing the whole thing up. If you're right? not really a witch, then why don't you get yourself out of that there fire? That's true. That's mm. true. And also, it takes. it's the same thing with like people today who are like, well, the Democrats were the ones who were slaveholders. Yes, the, the Democrats were, but parties shift over time. Like the Republican Party and the Civil War, they that is the party of Lincoln. There's no world that Lincoln and Donald Trump are even close to the same. They've oh, yeah. literally 180. Yeah, the Republican Party has shifted, but then, but communism has too. And I think every sort of industrialized country had to deal with that as well, where the communist parties of the 20s and 30s, like dealing specifically with Marxist-Leninism, like the not knowing what was going on in the Soviet Union, the idea of communism, the idea of worker takeover, those things are very different from what is happening in the Soviet Union, you know? Those two things are not equal. And so you have this communist movement with a lot of people joining in, especially during the Great Depression. And afterwards, the reason for all of this in the 50s, not only had World War II happened, we also found out about Stalin being a fucking insane person, purging, just killing millions and tens of millions of people. And you can easily equate communism they're communist you're a communist you mm. sympathize with the ussr so all these former communists people who believed in like a worker struggle you know ending the state all that kind of stuff i mean on just a on a, on a idealistical level are all of a sudden like stalinists and now you have to prove that you're not a stalinist anymore and so you're like pete Seeger, this loving man y- you were a communist before but because you have the word communist even attached to you, now you're, you are associated with the USSR. The House on American Activities Committee wanted to know mm-hmm. if you had political connections. You didn't want to answer, and that well, got you into some serious trouble. This is, well, this is because this group of people are actually, uh, they're a group, in my opinion, a group of American fascists. 
their idea of America is America where everybody agrees with them. Uh, Shearer of Ohio was a supporter of the John Birch Society. Uh, Willis of Louisiana is a small town. Mr. Big, he married the daughter of the local sugar mill owner. And his idea of America is, uh, is that small town where everybody knows their place and he's on top. Everybody's heard about taking the Fifth Amendment. You took the first. I didn't actually take any. Uh, later on, my lawyer said that the only defense he could make of me was on the basis of the first. Which guarantees? Uh, that's the one guaranteeing freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of press, and religion. Uh, the Fifth Amendment, in effect, is saying, you have no right to ask me this question. But I wanted to say, you have no right to ask any American citizen this question. And I think for them, they're like, communism is incompatible with America. But the John Birchers are not for nuance. They're not for nuance. So that's where you get this, where they're just equating communism with Soviet communism, which is a terrible dictatorship. Right. Alger Hiss is a guy that's accused during this... Alger. (laughs) Flowers for Algernon Hiss is accused during this like McCarthyism the Red Scare thing he's actually turns out to be a Russian spy he hides videos of him being a spy in a pumpkin <laughs> like, they just made me so happy like he hid it in a pumpkin and put it in a pumpkin patch <laughs> just like how did they fucking find that that's a pretty good hiding spot <laughs> and the papers revolving around this are called the pumpkin papers <laughs> and like I'm so happy that's part of U.S. history. That's, that's why I wrote it down, because yes. it's amazing. In the latest sensational turn of the red espionage probe, the Maryland farm of the magazine editor becomes the focus of attention. Of particular interest is the pumpkin patch, which provides the hiding place for the crucial document. Nestling innocently in the patch is this pumpkin, which gave concealment to the film copies of the paper. Chambers says he adopted this ruse to foil his commie associates of 1937. Where did he get the document? The country is waiting for Mr. Chambers to point the finger. So, I mean, that had to give them a lot of steam for their anti-communist shit. Because, like, we actually found a spy. He hit his shit in a pumpkin. Well, have J- uh, Julius Nethel Rosenberg. Oh, so that was my next thing. Mm-hmm. Look at you. You already know all the things. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I'm not the history one. Um, but, yes, the Rosenbergs, mm-hmm. right? They found out. It, they fucking killed them. They electrocuted both of them. Mm-hmm. Wife and husband. Dead. And they found out years later that it was just the guy, mm-hmm. the, the husband, the wife had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. They fucking killed her dad anyway. Killed because like that's, she's a commie. <laughs> that's the, the level of paranoia. Mm-hmm. McCarran, Internal Security Act, which is part of this whole Red Scare thing. It was a bill, some kind of motion that passed where McCarran's like an army guy, right? Military guy. There is a McCarran like Air McCarran, Force base. Yeah, yeah, McCarran Air Force, whatever. Mm-hmm. So he passes an Internal Security Act, not unlike a crazy Muslim registry situation. That, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, uh, it overturned, so Truman vetoed the bill, mm-hmm. and they fucking, they overturned it. Like, the House and everybody, like, mm-hmm. we don't care about your veto, we're fucking doing it anyway. Which like, essentially gave carte blanche to everybody to these investigations. I like, just gave them whatever, you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want. It stripped... American citizens' civil rights by making protesting on uh, in front of courthouses illegal, wow. um, participating in communist groups, quote unquote, whatever that meant. However, they decided you were a communist group. Folk like band. You, yeah, folk band. <laughs> You're done. done. Bye, Pete Seeger. Um, <laughs> well, goodbye, Pete Seeger. I mean, his career was essentially ruined. 
so yeah, that like anybody participating in a hoot nanny. No, well, that well the hoot nanny. It's not a thing. That was a TV show. That was huge. Everybody watched hoot nanny, mm-hmm. and the, the Weavers, Pete Seeger and the Weavers, were on it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then they decided that because he was part of this roundup, they just blacklisted him, and were like, we just can't do it because you're a communist. How's this going to look on TV? That kind of shit. So it's just that. And so at the height of their fame, it was over because what are you going to do? Oh, so for that, for participating in communist groups, quote unquote, uh, you could have your citizenship removed. Like, you're no longer an American. Goodbye. Yeah. What do you even fucking do? Right. And the other thing that they that that the uh, McCarran Internal Security Act allowed for was just basically for talking shit. You got arrested. Like. Goodbye, free speech. You will be arrested. So, good stuff all around. Well, I think the only thing that it highlights really is that this country is consistently battling between the forces of, I mean, evil shit like that Mm -hmm. and trying to bring the light and a little bit of fucking clarity. And so we go from this dark to a period of light to a period of dark. I mean, it feels old to just kind of keep going on the same wheel. I don't know if it ever breaks. I don't know if you can break it. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. I mean, we only know... I mean, we've only been around for so long, human beings even. It just it seems so consistent, this just wheel of history. And, like, right now, it'll break. There's no way. The Trumps of the world don't, don't win. But I don't know if I don't know if the other side wins either. You know, it's like I could see myself in 1920 being a fucking dirt poor person, being attracted to the idea that as a worker I would be in control of my own destiny. I mean, I don't know, man. It's that's way too heavy for a Bob Dylan podcast. (laughs) You know, murder. I mean, how can you can you really build peace out of blood? I don't know. I don't know either. But what I do know is hootenanny was yeah. like a Scottish word um, <laughs> that meant something that I forgot. See, I kind of glossed over Bringing it. this back to etymology <laughs> is just like the best way to lighten the mood. I love it. Um, and then there was a like a local community that was putting on a weekly sock hobby situation in the 30s, 40s. And they were divided on what they would call it. It was a vote put to the town that was either going to be a wingding or a hootenanny, and hootenanny won. And that just kind of got passed into the folk scene. So hootenanny, not just a variety show that they ended up being on, but uh, they that, that's the folk scene kind of adopted that. Like that they would, and whenever they would get together, they would call that's it interesting. Yeah. That's fun. And it, like it being a variety show then sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I did not know that. Yeah. Look at this. Do you want to go through our characters real quick in the song? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So we had, um, we had a few, and you've got a couple, a bit of context for it. So we had... Uh, George Lincoln Rockwell. Mm-hmm. What 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 was up with George? He was the fuckhead leader of the American Nazi Party. Hey. He was put down like a dog by a former follower outside of a laundromat, as he deserved. He formed a short-lived record label, short-lived record label nice. named Hate Nanny Records. Hate Nanny. Who <laughs> <laughs> Nanny? But for hate. And at uh, least he's being honest about what he what he wants out there. Yeah. During the Freedom Rides that happened throughout the South. Sixties. Yeah. Uh, he made his own bus called the Hate Bus, where he would put Nazi propaganda all over his bus and generally torment people and be a horrible fucking person. Cool. The end of that story is it got repoed because they defaulted <laughs> on their fucking loan. <laughs> 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 and they're like, that's God. not justice. Don't give a freedom because we're not going to give you your eyes. 
and John Burke. The yeah, what's up with John Burke? So, so this is the most interesting part, I think. Yeah, he was a Protestant missionary. He was a, yeah. kind of a zealot. He's a really like passionate dude about his religion. This was in the forties. Yeah, this was in uh, so nineteen thirties issues when he started yeah, like okay. really getting into Chinese stuff for some right. reason. So he went and did missions there. He learned Mandarin. He was uh, kind of an interpreter. And he ended up volunteering for the army um, while he was over there. During World War II, he volunteered for the army. While he was in China, he was leading a group of people on VJ Day, which I forgot to look up. I'm sure you know Victory what that is. Victory in Japan Day. Okay. And they were trying to... It was like him and 11 people, Korean and Chinese nationalists, who were fighting. He... Uh, he always wanted. To, he would thought he was going to be a chaplain when he went into the. Is that what it's called, the military mm-hmm. thing? Um, but he ended up being the the interpreter for this guy instead. So he was leading these people across some kind of contested land, while China's fighting the Red Army, or China is the Red Army. They're China fighting, is the Red Army. They're fighting Japanese. Yeah. See, I don't know enough. Nevertheless, he's because Japan would, in theory, still kind of be there. Yeah. So then. <laughs> What do you do? I mean, you've surrendered. Do, right, just, it's the day. Do you just get to walk out? Mm-hmm. No. China's going to be like, you don't get to just go. I'm sorry. Yeah. You so die. there is some kind of tiff at the border they're trying to cross with his 11 people. The guy pulls his gun and shoots him. They capture the party he's with and let them go two months later. But yeah, they he, they killed him. Wow. So for some reason, Robert Welch Jr., the guy who co-founded Job Birch Society, cites him as the first death in the battle against the Red Army. America's battle against the Red Army. Just the, and for like, him, the Red Army in, in general is just like the communism. communist army. Yeah. Oh um, my God. But I did not know that. Lieutenant, Commander, Special Master Chief, Force, what the fuck? I don't know. Military ranks. Doolittle. Uh, who worked okay. with Birch or knew about him was like he would be really disappointed that um, John Birch Society exists. That, this that they named that thing after him. And that's truly the saddest part of this whole thing is that people who don't deserve any, don't deserve anything in this earth, we remember their names forever. And misusing the people, yeah, and the, well, and the people who are genuinely trying to do good in the world. I'd almost wish that we forgot his name. It sucks. Yeah. Sucks to have your name attached to such a abhorrent bunch of people. Well, I quit my job so I could work alone. I got a magnifying glass like Sherlock Holmes. Following some clues from my detective bag, I discovered there was red stripes on the American flag. Did you know about Betsy Ross? All right, so what's going on with the John Birch Society today? Uh, Rick Perlstein, who has written extensively about uh, the right wing in America, American uh, conservatism, uh, has a has a fun quote that is a little too on the nose and I'm kind of uncomfortable with. Um, he's talking uh, essentially about the John Birch. He is talking about the John Birch Society and says that their main activity, quote, comprised of monthly meetings to watch a film by Welch followed by writing postcards or letters to government officials linking specific policies to a communist menace, which kind of sounds like somebody sitting around watching cable news and tweeting (laughs) about the menaces that he sees on this particular cable news channel. So nothing's changed. I I don't know who I could be talking about. This is just... This is just a theory. What a broad illusion. What a broad illusion. Uh, Anyways, their stances, they are so unique as being 
almost 100% on the wrong side of history. I found it fascinating. They were against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. They're against the Equal Rights Amendment for Women. They're obsessed with the Tenth Amendment, which instantly... Tenth Amendment can be fun, but the Tenth Amendment is always used by shitty fucking Southern uh, groups that are like... The Tenth Amendment is, uh, if it's not in the Constitution, the states decide. So there are Mm -hmm. states' rights all the way, which, again, is not inherently a terrible thing. But when you have terrible people going on about it uh, we're in a bad spot they're against free trade um, agreements globalization anti-interventionalists they were against the vietnam war so that's kind of that leftist sort of side that they just kind of find themselves in however um contrary to whatever the fuck they say they definitely believe that fluoride was a communist uh tool <laughs> um by i don't know by the u.s government or by russia i mean i i don't even understand but living in portland mm-hmm. uh yeah, 2012. That was popping off. They, it was popping off. I, I've living in places that have had fluoride forever, and mm. it's literally never been a thing. Well, to hear this, we're city, both communists for what it's well, worth. Well, that's true. So it didn't even affect me. I was just like, oh, this replenishes my ideology. This is great. <laughs> may may the hate flow through me. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, they're against OSHA. I mean, like they don't care about occupational health and safety. I mean, it's crazy. Um, they're against diplomatic ties with with China. Uh, they're against they were against transferring the Panama Canal to Panamanians because, you know, communists. Um, it's interesting, however, because then it gets weird weirdly shaded because then anti-Semitic, uh, completely racist, anti-Mormon, anti-Masonic groups criticize them for taking Jews, Masons, Mormons, anybody of any color. Like the John Birch Society, if you go to their Twitter page, is literally doing everything they can to get anybody to join their shitty group, which is kind of weird because you would expect it to be like a completely white nationalist mm-hmm. type thing. So that's definitely not the case, which puts them at odds with the weird KKKs of the world. Right. And, and it kind of it creates another weird shade that you're just like, oh, fuck, this is way more complicated than, again, it's, it is way more complicated than it looks. All to, of it is. To be fair, in that little propaganda video I watched, the guy was like, we welcome all colors, all creeds, all everybody. Well, uh, I mean, probably not gay people. <laughs> There's got to be a line. Well, but maybe. And wouldn't that be weird? Some gay guy who's just like a John Vircher. I mean, on, just log cabin it. Republicans are a thing. Yeah, it's probably a thing. Uh, and then in a bittersweet and what I found really ironic, perfect twist, uh, the uh, Ayn Rand, who wrote The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, is like completely idolized by the American right still. Still. It hasn't changed. Stories of rapey heroes complaining about how no one appreciates their true genius. My work done my way. Nothing else matters to me. And if that reminds you of anyone, it's probably someone like this. Until I'm done with my Lamborghini entrance, no one's allowed it. Make sure they know that, because if they start letting it out, they'll start kissing. What about my entrance? Ayn Rand has always been popular with teenagers. But she's something you're supposed to grow out of, like ska music or hand jobs. Uh, she says, quote, I consider the Birch Society futile because they are not for capitalism, but merely against communism. I gather they believe that the disastrous state of the world is caused by a communist conspiracy. This is childishly naive and superficial. No country can be destroyed by a mere conspiracy. It can only be destroyed by ideas. And Ayn Rand's ideas are definitely trying to destroy this country so that's definitely <laughs> so she's right on that on that front but um but the john birch society is uh, still around like i said uh the southern poverty law center uh labels this a patriot group they also believe that the one world government is a thing the north american union's about to happen they want out of the un which 
you know, us not being in the League of Nations was a great, great thing that happened to the world. They want to dismantle <laughs> the Federal Reserve. They just see their constricts, you know, originalists with the Constitution. Um, it's kind of crazy. And they're also led by a guy named Ray Clark who has a fake degree from somewhere called Donsbaugh University School of Nutrition in Huntington <laughs> Beach, which is basically the American University of Samoa of Better Call Saul world law degrees so this guy is completely fucked up and if you want a good laugh go to their twitter because they're literally trying to engage with anybody they hashtag everything uh, james comey just got fired as the fbi director their post instead of like here's a post what does the john birch society think no 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 they're just gonna like hashtag fbi hashtag comey hashtag trump they have like one one real word and then three hashtags because they're just trying to engage with anyone searching for anything and they just pray that no one knows what the John Birch Society is. Well, I mean, I didn't. They might have got me. They might have got you. So, so that's uh, any any final thoughts. Um, I have a little, just a quick thing yeah. about Robert Welch Jr. Yeah. For a second, I was scared that he was like of Welch's, and I was like, but I like grape juice. I'll be honest, that crossed my mind too, and I was scared. Yes, but in the twenties, he had a candy company called the Oxford Candy Company. His brother. Let's call him Bill Welch, because I don't remember his name. Thanks. Isn't Bill? Uh, <laughs> he also had a candy, candy company that produced candies such as Sugar Babies, you might know, I do know sugar and Babies. Junior Mints, you might also know. <laughs> I do. Our our friend, Mr. Robert Welch, founder, co-founder of the John Birch Society, his candy company, the Oxford Candy Company, folded during the mm. Great Depression. However, his brother, Bill, uh, candy his Bill. candy company succeeded. Obviously, we know the candies that he made, and Nabisco bought them. So. Nice. So he's he, probably living. Well, he's dead. <laughs> he's probably dead. His family is yeah. maybe, hopefully, living it up and being like, "Fuck John Birch. We're yes. given to good stuff." Well, I, mean, I think the lesson to be learned is if you have hate in your heart, you can't make successful candy. Welch's Concord grapes give a taste you can feel in your cheeks. Welch's grape juice, one hundred percent juice. <laughs> no wonder it tastes so good. Uh, all right, so this is a uh, we're gonna end the show in, a, in an unconventional way. You might have noticed we're not playing long songs anymore. This uh, podcast is above board. We are <laughs> no copyright strikes against us. I mean, no one's come after us, but I want to have people actually be able to listen to this without having to like explain myself away. So if you if you are interested, the first 10, 11 episodes are really just us trying to find our groove. We're having fun. We're putting a lot of uh, a lot of our influences into it. We're gonna keep putting lots of clips and stuff like that. I want to. I want to keep being the way we are, but doing it with shorter, shorter little breaks. But to end this show, instead of a song, uh, let's go ahead and I'm just going to read a quick poem that Bob Dylan wrote to his friend Dave Glover in 1963. These were actually like in the pamphlet that you get when you go to the Newport News or Newport News, Virginia, when you go to the Newport Folk Festival. Or, you know, he went electric in 65. So this was in 63. And so I'm just going to do my best Bob Dylan impression. I keep remembering the songs we used to sing and play, the songs written 30, 50 years ago, the dirt farm songs, the dust pole songs, the depression songs, the down and out songs, the old blues and ballads. I think of Woody's song. I think of Woody's day. This land I'll defend with my life if it'll be. And I say to myself, yeah, that's right. Hitler's on the march. I don't want him to take my ground. I don't want him living on my land. And I see two side men. I see two roads to pick your route, the American way or the fascist way. When there was a strike, there's only two kinds of views and two kinds of tales to tell the news, through the union eyes or through the boss's eyes. And you could stand on the line and look at your friends and stand on the same line and see your foes. It was that easy. Which side are you on ain't phony words. And they ain't from a phony song. And that was Woody's day, man. Two sides. 
I don't know what happened because I wasn't around, but somewhere along the line that used to be, things got messed up. More kinds of sides come into the story. Folks, I guess, started switching sides and making up their own sides. There's got to be so many sides that no eyes could see what eyes are facing them. There's got to be so many sides that all of their that all of them started looking like each other. I don't pretend to know what happened, man, but sometimes all the sides lost their purpose and folks forgot about other folks. I mean, they must have all started going against each other, not for the good of their side, but for the good of just their own selves. And them two simple sides that were so easy to tell apart bashed and boomed and exploded so hard and heavy that today all that's left and made for us is this one big rockin' rollin' complicated circle. Nowadays folks' brains are bamboozled and bowled over by categories, labels, and slogans and advertisements that could send anybody's head in a spin. It's hard to believe anybody's telling the truth for what it is. I swear it's true that in some parts of the country folks believe the finger pointers more than the president. It's a time of flag-waving, shotgun-carrying John Birchers. It's a time of killer dogs and killer sprays. It's a time of billboard signs, super-flying highways. It's a time of push-button foods and five-minute fads. It's a time of white-collar shirt and white-sheeted hood and a white man suntan lotion. It's a time of guns and grenades and bombs bigger than any time's ever seen. It's a time of Liz Taylor fans, sports fans, and electric fans. It's a time of a 20-year-old colored boy with his head bloody don't get too much thought from a 70-year-old senator who wants to bomb Cuba. I don't know who these people were, man, that let it get this way, but they got what they wanted out of their lives, and they left you and me facing a scared, raped world. All right, so we are going to do quickly our recommendations. So uh, beyond uh, John Birch Blues, which obviously we've talked a lot about politics, America has been swirling with some bullshit, uh, which isn't new in in this new world of Donald Trump. What were you doing, though, that was maybe within this world or outside of it? What What took you away or brought you in? I listened to Nick Drake a lot this week. That's a good way to be transported away. Yeah. I really like him. I, I think I first listened to a Nick Drake song via the movie Garden State, which I saw in theaters in 2004. I really, really loved it at the time. I haven't watched it in a while. I'm sure I would still love the movie. That is, but So yeah, this is the first time I heard a Nick Drake song. Um, and I just kind of... I didn't know. It was like a discovering a new thing. But he was never popular while he was alive. He died when he was 26. He... Uh, killed himself with an overdose he was wildly depressed and his music kind of shows that you wouldn't really know he's a really talented guitar player and all of his stuff's really melodic but um he was really really fucking sad and he sings about being in england and being sad kind of i don't know he just makes me so happy i don't know what it is like i can listen to him literally any time of any day it'll bring me out of a funk it'll make me calm down if i need i'm feeling like manic or something but nick drake um he didn't sell more than 5,000 copies of any of the records he made while he was alive. But Robert Smith of The Cure um, cited him as a reference, like a big influence of his life in the 70s or 80s. And then people were like, who the fuck, who is this guy? young but i didn't realize that mm-hmm. so and like it's so weird because he's had a couple documentaries that have been made about him uh one in the early 1990s and one in 2000 i think and after that people realized that his mom had actually sang on a couple of his songs and that she was also a musician so she fucking i can't remember her name i think maggie that's probably totally wrong bill 
Bill Drake. Uh, she released an album in 2013, you know, years wow. and years after her death That's because crazy. they found all these old recordings of hers. And also his sister was like a, a singer and actress. She sang on one too. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a sad, yeah. weird thing, but like his music's so fucking pretty. Music's weird. Music's, even with like painful memories for music, it's still in a way like enlivens you. Even to just like not live in the pain or to like maybe think about the pain or or to move on from it. Yeah, even feeling another person's pain, I think it's such a human thing that we take for yeah. granted. You know? Empathy. I think there's a lot of empathy that can, comes through music. Oh, also we saw Guardians of the Galaxy and it was fucking amazing. Oh my God, Guardians of the Galaxy. I forgot it yeah. <laughs> literally yesterday. Yeah, Guardians, if you haven't seen it, oh my God. It's, it's so, so funny. Good. Like, fuck the haters. If anybody's oh, giving this a bit, like, we will I, get in a fight I because could, it's so great. I could basically go on for 44 minutes about the haters. Mm-hmm. As I, as I did, but you don't know about in the last episode about how the drive-in. I just, I, you know what? I'm not a big <laughs> fan of, of of hate, you know. And we talk about John Birch Society. Fuck them because all they do is hate. And you cannot make a good, peaceful, honest world with people fucking hating all the time. You have to love. You have to be open to love. I don't know what baggage you bring to the Guardians of the Galaxy, some superhero movie. This is weird. We've got a sovereign fleet approaching from the rear. Why would they do that? Probably because Rocket stole some of their batteries. Dude! Right. He didn't steal some of those. I don't know why they're after us. What a mystery this is. That aside, Guardians of the Galaxy. For Nick sure. Drake, Guardians of the Galaxy. Nick Drake, Guardians of the Galaxy. I want to recommend Beyond at the Driving, which I've been listening to all week. Chris Stapleton released a record called From the From a Room, Volume One. I assume Volume Two is coming later. It's like a 32-minute like country rock masterpiece. It's beautiful every song is so good i found myself constantly going back to it this week so i want to definitely recommend that Uh, and, and just before we even close, um, we're going to try our best to do our our um, our playlists uh, more consistently with stuff that we are both listening to, what it's making us think of. So keep checking back on the playlist. At the end of it all, we're going to put everything into the big season one playlist, so you can kind of kind of gauge where it is at and kind of find some some songs and stuff like that. But I think this week was probably our best playlist we've ever done because it's just so diverse. We've got stuff from Pete Seeger to Johnny Cash to uh, champion Jack Dupree to Albert King to Earl Hooker, John Greenway, Adam Miller, who is awesome. I love that song. Chad Mitchell Trio, which and has a song called yeah, John Birch Society. Trio, it was, it's so funny. So, so funny. funny. Just It's this song, but with a different band. Just, yeah. So good. And sort of, yeah, well, I guess from the same angle, they're part mm-hmm. of the John Birch Society, but oh my, yeah, it's super, super funny. All right, so let's go ahead and pick the final song. One out of 653. What do you think the number is? 319. 319. Okay, I know what it is, but I'm going to go to 319 first. 319, we could have had in a different timeline Bourbon Street from the Basement Tapes. I'm oh. not in right away familiar with it, so good. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. So the actual number is 650. Oh, I'm sorry, 653 is the number. 642. 642 oh, is wow. the number. I know, so it's low. Oh, fun. Okay, so we have a song called God Knows. Oh, shit. Uh, it's actually a bootleg only, so it's a bootleg series volume eight, so it's not part of... It's a, I think it's an O Mercy song, so it's um, it's good. And anything from that bootleg series volume eight is 
Telltale Heart is great. So, can you play some of it real quick? God knows we're going to do it. Yeah, let's uh, go ahead and listen to for that. less than thirty seconds. I know, right? <laughs> so we don't get in trouble, and we can put our stuff on YouTube. I know. It's better to find out now than later. When you said God, I'm like, God only knows what. Well, that's not this song. I'm thinking about Sky again. It's not quite there. It's only three minutes. Starter. I like that. Yeah. This is that slow strum. That was a crazy off-key chord. Oh. Actually, that was awesome. I kind of like that. Okay. That's going to be good. Yeah. I'm kind of already... It's grooving. I, there's two of them. I don't know. Maybe this is on. Oh, no. It's on Under under the Red Sky. This is the same wiggle, the same album as Wiggle Wiggle. Yes. See? All right. So that was a demo version oh. that did not make the record. Oh. This is the one that made the record. They're still doing weird tone things. They are, but you can already see the... Oh, maybe we're going... So we'll do both. I like the other one better. I think. Yeah, me too. I, that's always going to be the case. There you go. So we'll do God Knows, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Literally. Good enough. Are we just consumers? Or are we citizens? Are we going to make more garbage? Or are we going to make amends? Are you part of the solution? Or are you part of the con? Tell me which side are you on now? Which side are you on?